Here's what some random people think about Seb Costello. As we all know, he does speak a lot of... Clearly, he's a colourful guy. He's a buffoon that is taken seriously. On Triple M. I accept this. Full responsibility. Is Seb Costello for breakfast. No Lawrence Mooney this morning, but in the studio we do have a very special guest. And I'm excited. He also has quite a deep voice. (laughs) Deeper than I expected. I'm excited to welcome in Madeline West. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone out there. What a fabulous... Frosty Melbourne morning it is here on the verge of summer. Six degrees uh, towards the middle of October is a little bit nippy. It's a bit disappointing. Mm. No, I don't do anything under 10. It's, no. It's very difficult this year. There could early. be a climate age, climate change debate about <laughs> yeah. to erupt, oh, it's a bit too early in the morning for that. It is the first minute of the program and already you have taken I've things highbrow. I'm on my soapbox. No, you're lifting the standards of what we've been producing <laughs> for the last few days. It didn't take long. Well, I talk about football, but I know nothing about the game, yeah. so... I'm here for an education. No, well, happy to do that. I mean, yesterday, though, we were spent a lot of time talking about nudist beaches, and now today it's climate change. So I'm pleased. I'm just wondering if making... you're making a connection between nudist beaches and me. <laughs> um, like, no, have you no, seen no, my no. back catalogue of work, Sob? Uh, is that what you're trying no, no, to say? No, certainly not. Certainly not. No, we were. I had, I had to visit one down in Werribee, which uh, was an interesting experience. I bet it was yeah. on a six-degree day. <laughs> yeah, on a six-degree uh, day. It's not what boy. you want. Hey, we've had a shooting uh, in the early hours of this morning. Yes. Police are are at an address in Port Melbourne on a street called Beacon Vista after a number of shots were fired into a residential house. Happened about 10 to 5. Uh, police believe the shots were fired from a car driving past the address. drive by. Bit of a worry. Yeah. Bit of a worry. Not the uh, start to the morning you'd want. Occupants in the house uninjured, which is good news. Police are looking for some help. So if you know anything, if you saw anything in Beacon Vista, Port Melbourne at 10 to 5, get on to Crime Stoppers, one 800 0 Well done, Michelle Payne, too. Oh, what a legend. Yeah. What so a legend. The Recipient Don, of the Don Award. The Don Award, if you haven't heard of it, it began in 1998. It uh, recognises the one sporting team or individual who inspired the nation the most over the past 12 months. And there were some great nominees in there. Uh, Dylan Alcott, the world uh, chair tennis player, was in there. So was the women's rugby sevens team yes, from Rio. Yes, that's right. And Michelle Payne has come out on top. Absolutely. And look, I think it's pretty deserved. That was, it's about to be a movie. What more do you need? When a sporting achievement inspires a film... I think that then, therefore, it is a worthy recipient of the Don Award. Is, is that in the works? I wonder if... Yes, it is. Really? Absolutely. It's oh. in production as we speak. Oh, who's playing... Have I let, us, have I let something no, slip? I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm behind the eight ball. Who's playing Michelle? Maybe I'm just making it up. Maybe I think... Maybe that's 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 the next step for me, obviously. Right. No, yeah. I'm not playing... No, it's not me. I'm not so playing you? Michelle. Uh, okay. But no, what a fantastic story. Is and it inspired it? millions. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. And... and the beautiful story, too, of the family is what gets me. You know, this lovely Stevie Payne, who's the strapper. Absolutely. He's part of it. You know, the story about how Dad raised all the kids out on the farm together. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, there's and a so real much sense love. Of family. Love. Absolutely. And isn't that what, at the, at the very core of all great sport, is mm. love? What the world needs now. Abs- love. Absolutely. Sweet love. Play it, Seb. Play now, it. <laughs> maybe not on this network, but uh, <laughs> certainly not with me singing it. Now, I uh, usually present a segment called Three Things You Need to Know on Your Way to Work. Yes, I've this heard This has been given to you for this morning. <gasps> yes. Well, apparently, the question is, three things you don't know about Madeline West. Ah, oh, well, this we need to hear. First and foremost, I am a mother of six, Seb. Did you know that? Six children. I know I've been blowing that trumpet quite a bit because I have released a book on the subject oh, called fantastic. Six Under Eight. Yep. I do have six children. I'm a mother of many. And they're uh, all under the age of eight? Eight under ten now. 
wrote the book two years ago, so it's out there, out and proud. Um, I've, I'm having a T-shirt printed, Mother of Many, but they're a lot harder to train than dragons. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to ride that Game of Thrones no. cliche as much as possible. I like possible. it. That's fantastic. Um, What's the gender split? One boy, five girls. Oh, really? But can you imagine how in touch with his feminine side he, he's going to be? Absolutely. Oh, he's going to be a catch, he that really young man. He really is. He's going to be conditioned nicely. Oh, yeah. That was the plan. Sense of style. Exactly. Can, I reckon he might be handy in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. He's if, good with uh, a wooden spoon. Of course, your partner uh, being uh, Shannon Bennett of View to Mond fame. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's not bad in the kitchen. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> he should think about making a career out of that. I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Number two. Yes. I've been hit by a bus. Wow. Bodily, bodily hit by a bus. Always wanted to be the kind of girl who stops traffic, just preferably not <laughs> next, next time not with my face. Um, yes, 2003, I was hit by a bus up in Sydney. Goodness me. So there you go. Which, which, so which you I were... love because you know that saying your grandma would trot out, you know, it could be worse. You could be hit by a bus. <laughs> well, I've done it, Nan. And can I tell you, yeah, not much is worse not than much that. Is so worse. you're right. So 2003, you were you killing it on Neighbours at that stage? I was in the midst of the Neighbours mix, yeah, yeah big okay. time. So... They then, I was out of action for eight weeks before Gosh. I came back on set with lots of plasters and fair bit of bruising. And I love the storyline they came back with. Oh, she yep. was hit by a cricket ball. Oh, okay. Bus, cricket ball, slight difference mm. in weight and texture, but that's all good. <laughs> and pain. Exactly. What and I, I do, it? I've got to, well, I was up in Sydney to host mm. a kids helpline charity. Right. And I'd arrived straight off set from Neighbours, rocked up, arrived in Sydney, nine o'clock at night, the hotel didn't have any food. I had to go and find some. Oxford Street, Sydney. I've gone out, found a supermarket on my way back. All I remember is standing at the traffic lights on the footpath, not the road, footpath, and looking both ways for the traffic lights because I knew that that car- corresponded with the entry to my hotel because mm. I wasn't familiar with the with the area. And a bus came in, pulled in at speed, mounted the pavement and took me with it and smacked me square on the left side of the face, threw me wow. a couple of feet and I skidded along the concrete for a few feet after that, left a bit of epidermis along the way, but that's okay. My Would have put it back on, but it had a few sticks and chewing gum stuck to it by then. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a couple of skull fractures and lost all the skin down one side of my face, um, broken teeth, ruptured c- uh, cerebral hemorrhage, all that kind of business, but yeah. Full, whatever happened to the driver? Well, uh, it was one of those situations where we didn't have enough witnesses at the time right. and it was a he said, she said situation. In the end, I just let it go. Right. But while I, probably even more devastating, mm. while I was lying there in the gutter, someone stole my wallet. Get out. Get out of town. That's what happened. That's Sydney exactly for you. What that's happened. Sydney for that's you. That's why they're, we're here in Melbourne. They're ruthless so. up there. Yeah, you no, get hit by a bus <laughs> and they'll fleece your wallet. Hang on a minute. Oh, no, she's on. Oh, no, hang on. There's a, there's a bit of cash there. Oh. Anyway, long story. There you go. Hit by a bus. And I was wearing fresh underpants, so you don't what, you worry about that. Setting a very high standard for this segment. Oh, thank when you. I take it over next week, I reckon the, the listeners of Triple M might be a bit disappointed <laughs> with what I'm dealing with. All right, the third <laughs> thing we need to know about Madeline West. Well, I am currently back on Neighbours reprising a role that I played 13 years ago, who the lovely lady in question, Dee Bliss, was driven off a cliff on her wedding day. For me, it was the (laughs) soap trifecta. Got married, driven off a cliff, washed out to sea, never to be seen again. Sadly, didn't win a Logie for the role, but that's okay. But I'm back reprising the role at the moment. So uh, take us back. Who who did Dee marry? She married Toadie. Toadfish. Right, I remember this. The old Toadfish. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Died on her wedding day. Didn't get a chance to consummate the vows. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was standing on the cliff going, why? Why? So what's Toadie going to make of Dee coming back up the cliff? Look, I... 
I'd love to say more, but I feel like I can't because there's a very real risk that I'll get run down by one of those neighbours' <laughs> tour vans. I've been hit by a bus once already. Don't want to return for yep. the, to that one for seconds. But uh, you just have to wait and see. Wow. Cliffhanger coming in December. This is back on air in January. Pretty significant development Big in Cody's development life and in Dee's life. Tony's. Well, in Dee's life too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Where's she been for 13 years? Well, she's been breeding. But anyway, that's another story. So there you go. Three things you didn't know about Madeline. That Hayes. is exceptional. No matter how much I try to shake it, how much I try to grow up, my mum's words are ringing in the back of my head now. I will always be a fan of professional wrestling. <gasps> yeah. Yep. Yep. The great athletes that they are, throwing themselves around the squared circle for a little bit of gold that goes around your waist. And faking a lot of it. I'll tell you what, though, <laughs> speaking of faking, yep. I've done a movie with a wrestling superstar. Who? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin? I played Hell Stone yeah. Cold Misses in The Condemned. <laughs> you were Mrs. Stone Cold. I was Mrs. Stone Cold. That sounds nice. That kind of sounds like, a, like I'm an ice cream. Yeah. Mrs. Stone Cold. Um, but I've got a bit of a story about Stone Cold. If oh, you I want to hear, hear this. Yes, okay. please. I did The Condemned with Steve. Now, I remember The Condemned. It was a bit like um, It was straight to DVD. Man. Oh, well. No, or my, maybe maybe showed in three cinemas, which is a pretty good going for my career. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. No, so that was Stone Cold was like, they were like bounty hunters and they all got sent Correct. to an island to an to island, and, and the point off. was it was like a game. It was available on cyberspace and they had to kill each other off. And I was his missus back in Texas yearning for him. Uh, there always has to be a missus back in Texas yearning for him. he has him. to get home and see. Oh, my darling, please come back. <laughs> so anyway. Did um, you have to do a Texan accent? I didn't have to do a Texan accent. I just had to do a generic American accent. Right. That's what they always say at the top of the script. Not Texas, generic American. So anyway, first day on set. Beautiful Steve. Maddie. Let me call you Maddie. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm kind of new to this whole acting gig, and uh, I'm just wondering if it helped me find my uh, my motivation in this scene. I like it. Do you know why? Because that proves that wrestling is real. Oh, he says he's got no experience real with performing. Acting. But I gotta say, Seb, mm -hmm. my first question was. You do realise, Steve, that you're being paid a truly offensive amount of money <laughs> just to basically be yourself and you don't have to wear your undies outside of your stockings. <laughs> and he wet himself with laughter. Is that right? I you said, came up with that did, off the top of your head. I did. That's very sharp. I said, what more motivation do you need? <laughs> but the only thing that possibly, my only other wrestling experience that possibly trumps that is that I met The Rock. Oh, I met the rock. Um, everyone, listeners, Seb's crying in the corner now. He's, he's got his blankie and he's rocking. I'm sucking my thumb. This well, it was is just after, well, I had to be hit by a bus to earn it. Oh, okay. It was just after right. the bus accident. Well, I was being interviewed on road. Would I be hit by Same a bus episode. to meet the rock? Would you? Mm, fair question. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair possibly. enough. Yeah, there's quite a few people who'd be out there looking for the next bus stop. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it. Anyway, so I was interviewed on Rove and the rock was on the same episode. And I met him outside in the green room and he put his huge plate sized hands around my face and he said, I hear you've been, with his honeyed tones, mm. I hear you've been hit by a bus. I got to say, you're still very beautiful. And I just melted. Aww. And I can understand a lot of people would be able to smell what the rock's got cooking. What a sweetie. Oh, yeah. Who would Breathe be prepared, prepared to let him lay the slap down on them? <laughs> You'd even know all the catchphrases. Correct. This is very impressive. Fell into play. Yeah. So there you go. Well, that's uh, that's. Can't say I've ever watched a match in my life, <laughs> but I have had my... I've had my W, is it WCC, W sort of? World Wrestling Entertainment. Yep, yep. We'll talk about I'm this in the break. Wide web. Ja <laughs> That's it, exactly. <laughs> James Lake is coming up with the Triple M headlines and speaking of triple things, Triple H coming up, my coming interview up. 
with Triple H a bit later in the show. He's one of the most famous professional wrestlers of all time. When you talk about the big names, you talk about the Hulk Hogan's, the Rocks, and the Triple H's. He's now running the company in the executive branch of World Wrestling Entertainment, and he's been kind enough to join us on Triple M. Good morning, Triple H. Triple H and Triple M, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, how appropriate. Uh, but I'm sure you get this question a lot. Uh, when we talk about the big names of the sports, the Rocks, yourself, the Stone Cold Steve Austins, do you have somebody who you look at as the best of all time? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, for me, growing up, my generation and, uh, and um, you know, who I watched is Ric Flair. Mm. Um, you know, to me, during during my time growing up, and he was just the best. And obviously, later, years later, he got to be one of my best friends, and I got to, you know, train with him and work with him in Evolution and, and everything else we did in WWE. Uh, so I still consider Rick to probably be one of the best all-around performers ever in the history of our business. Um, I'd also, you know, I know he's one of my best friends, but I also consider Shawn Michaels to be one of the the uh, the greatest as well. Just just an incredible performer in ring. As a Melbourne boy, I'll never forget the first time the WWE took over our city, and Eddie Head Stadium has hosted some amazing events, some big Australian rules football matches. Only last year we hosted the amazing knockout of Ronda Rousey in the UFC, but the all-time attendance record was set the night that you wrestled The Rock and Brock Lesnar right here in Melbourne. Do you, do you remember that trip? Oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. I remember it's one of my favorite trips. Um, yeah, I mean, that was just a, an incredible uh, night, global warning, it was called. And, uh, yeah, you're right, we did. We came into Melbourne, we took it over for a week, and we had fan access events, and, uh, you know, that stadium was electric that night. It was uh, myself, Rock, Brock Lesnar. It was one of the only uh, times in his first run with the WWE that Brock Lesnar and I actually locked up was that night. But it was incredible. The noise in that place was just amazing. And now you're doing so much work yeah. mentoring the next generation with NXT. And we're pumped because the NXT brand, which has really established itself as its own company within the WWE universe, uh, is coming down under for the first time. And we'll get a chance to see it in Melbourne on Thursday, the 8th of December at Margaret Court Arena. Uh, you bringing a big show for us? Absolutely. Um, I, can, I can tell you right now that uh, you're going to get to see all the top NXT stars from Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe to Bobby Roode and Austin Aries to our, our amazing women competitors, Asuka and Ember Moon. And then, of course, you know, I'm going to make sure that I bring, uh, bring my stock. One thing with NXT is we're very diverse in our talent roster. We bring in uh, <clears throat> incredible talent from all over the globe. And uh, Australia, obviously, is no exception. So, um, we have brought a lot into the PC in the last year or two, and they're boiling up to NXT now. And you're going to see them on tour there in Australia as well. The PC being the performance center, the phenomenal training ground that uh, you've set up to develop the next generation of wrestlers. NXT is such a great television product and, and streaming product as well through the uh, WWE Network. I know you've got a great setup at uh, one of the universities over there in America, but is there any chance that you know the audiences in Australia could uh, have a chance to become part of some recorded matches while the tour's hit? Absolutely. One of the things that I'm going to be doing in uh, Melbourne is I'm going to re be recording that show uh, from start to finish in Melbourne. And um, I'm going to be showing it at a later date on the uh, WWE uh, Network. It Fantastic. won't be live on the network. Yeah, but it will be it will be airing later. So I'm going to make sure that card is a whopper. And I can tell you right now that uh, the main event that night is going to be Shinsuke Nakamura 
uh, squaring off against Samoa Joe inside a steel cage. In the cage, two of the biggest names in NXT getting it on behind the steel in Melbourne. That's huge. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, trust me, I, I want it to be uh, big, and I want to make sure that uh, NXT puts on a show in Australia that um, Australians will never forget and will want to come back again and again. And we look forward to uh, seeing that in Melbourne very, very soon. And Triple H, an absolute thrill to talk to you, and uh, all the very best with everything you're doing. Thank you very much. I look forward to it, and I'm telling you, if you're not familiar with NXT and you haven't seen it yet, trust me, you won't regret coming. I was reading in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. What? Of the a Wall new, Street Yeah. How many hours do you have in your day? Ah, uh, well, you try and squeeze it in. And there was an article there about Amazon mm-hmm. who are looking to revolutionize the way we buy groceries. Really? I thought this might appeal to you. Hang on, are you talking about online? It is online. Because so I'm all about online grocery shopping. Because shop I've got six children. Mm-hmm. So either I'm going to leave with a trolley full of lolly snakes, neutral <laughs> grain and cokes a can, or they're going to shoplift. They can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. They see a wheel of brie, they take a wheel of brie, and I forget to pay for it. But that's another story. Forget, Tell me more. Forget steel. It's such a blurred line. Uh, no, so this is in Seattle. Amazon are building these warehouses. And what happens is you go online, there's maybe you're leaving work or what have you, and you choose what you want. So you choose right. your can of Coke and your brie cheese and all that. You put your complete grocery list together. And you have to pay for it. And then, yeah, you put your right. credit card okay, details in. Yeah. And then you drive into this warehouse, number plate scanning technology scans your car and then matches your car to the grocery order you placed earlier in the day. And a guy comes out with the trolley and puts it all in your boot and you drive away. Stop it. How easy is that? Oh, I want to know when they're going to revolutionise getting the groceries home and unpacking them all for you, <laughs> yeah. putting it away while you kick Before back you with get a cup home. of tea. Oh, that's the next now, step. There you go. There's that's Amazon. It. All you Amazon boffins out there, listen up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's either a great way to get your groceries brought to your car or it's a great way for the Apex gang to just have a bit of a smorgasbord <laughs> with all these cars driving in for them. One or the other, I'm not sure. I like it. It's a win-win situation all <laughs> that's around. That's right. Everybody gets something out of it. We've been following this all week, though, the trial of Gable Tosti, who is uh, yeah, being uh, tested on the murder of Warriena Wright, who was a 26-year-old Kiwi who met Gable Tosti on the dating app Tinder, uh, and then she passed away at the end of that night in August eight, in August 2014, the 8th of August to be exact. From the Courier-Mail, the newspaper up there in Brisbane is Kate Kiriaku. Kate, thanks for your time. No problem. One of the most confronting things about this trial has been some of the uh, evidence that has been made public. And I talk of uh, a recording that Gable Tosti made on his phone that captures, you know, some pretty desperate emotional moments of a Miss Wright sort of screaming and saying no, 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 no. And to listen to that, you felt, gosh, this just seems unfair that even in the pursuit of justice, this stuff would become public given that this woman's no longer around to sort of defend herself. Um, has her family had anything to say about that audio being released? Yeah, they, they were quite devastated that it was released. They didn't want that to happen. And then, you know, obviously it's it's um, it's out there. People are listening to it. Warina's um, mother herself didn't listen to it when, when it was played to the court. She, she left the room, um, which is, you know, fair enough. It was really, really harrowing. It was difficult for the jury. It was difficult for the for the journalists in the public gallery. Um, so you can't, you can't even imagine what it would have been like for someone who, who knew her and loved her. So, yeah, she, she um, through a friend, read a statement outside court yesterday saying that she was quite devastated that the um, audio recording ha- was being played publicly. And I think that that's, as a, speaking as a mum, hi, Kate, uh, hi. Madeline here. I think as a mum, that being the legacy of your child, that not just the, the, the knowledge that, of the way they died, but to actually hear 
their final moments, I think that would scar you for life. And as we all know, in any kind of situation like this where there is essentially a trial by by um, media, do you think it's – well, I find it really difficult to think that a lot of the situations and, and a lot of the circumstances in the case that we've heard in audio, yes, they need to be taken into consideration in court, but now that they're available to the public, I find that a little bit – I'm not just disconcerting, but for her friends and family that, like I said earlier, this is her legacy. Um, would you would you agree? Do you think that's going to muddy the issue in the long term? Oh, look, the jury has given really specific instructions to listen to only what evidence is given in court. So, you know, muddying the waters is, is um, I guess, I guess that would really relate to, you know, in the end, him receiving a fair trial. And, and that mm. comes down to the jury and what they pay attention to. As far as the reporting of that audio recording goes, I mean, it's it's really, I completely agree that the mother should should be devastated. You know, like she she said specifically, she didn't want to remember her daughter like that, and and it's a horrible thing. But but as far as reporting of it goes, if you're going to present a fair and accurate court report of what happens in court, that that audio recording is the main piece of evidence. So really, you sort of you know, it, it's hard not to report it. How could you not? not yeah. report it considering it's it's the it, that's a pivotal moment in this entire investigation exactly a necessary in but pivotal evil I yeah, yeah we're talking to kate kiriaku from the courier mail newspaper in brisbane about the trial of gable tosti the man accused of the murder of a 26 year old new zealand woman who fell off a balcony at his apartment block we're talking a lot about this recording kate has it come out in court has gable tosti himself been asked why he felt the need to record all this on his mobile phone no, that hasn't that hasn't come out in court. He hasn't given evidence. Uh, he he has the opportunity to if he wants to, but that that sort of happens when when the defence is asked if they want to call any witnesses, and uh, they can call him or or they don't have to. He doesn't have to say a word, and and the jury's always instructed not to make anything of that if he doesn't want to. So, um, you know, there there could be an opportunity to explain it in in closing submissions when the defence gives their closing submissions, but as yet, you know, the jury hasn't been told why he made that recording. And, of course, the court will decide what went on here, so we're not trying to, uh, you know, guess or, or, or draw any conclusions. But what are you able to tell us what the Crown's case is? Do, do they allege that Mr Tosti uh, threw her off the balcony, or what, what is their case? No, no, and that's, that's the interesting thing here. They don't allege that at all. Uh, so, some people sort of assume that, but it's, it's incorrect. What they're alleging is that, you know, they got into an argument, she, she'd been doing things like throwing rocks at him and, and um, she hit him in the head with a metal clamp from a, from a telescope and he, he lost his temper and um, has sort of, you know, dragged her out onto the balcony and locked the door. And uh, the Crown says that, that in that sort of altercation, she was so frightened and intimidated by him and his actions that she tried to climb to safety and, and sort of fell to her death and, and not only do we have the audio recording which you can clearly hear her being locked outside you hear the door closing you can hear her saying let me let me go home but we also have very importantly um, some eyewitnesses from the balcony below and the balcony below that who'd come outside hearing you know screaming and and a lot of banging and noises they'd come outside to see what was happening and they've looked up and they've actually seen her climb down and slip and fall and at the end of the day documents from the court have revealed that this poor woman suffered 80 separate injuries following the fall. I guess, you know, we can only hope that in some way, you know, it's horrible to see loss of life in any kind of situation, but this is a stern warning for anyone out there about, you know, protections, letting people know where you are and keeping yourself safe. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's always, a, you know, um, if, if anything's going to come of, of horrible situations like this, it, you know, it, it can be warnings like that. And you also have the issue with, with schoolies as well and balcony hopping and, you know, that, it, all of those sorts of things are just, if, if they make people think about their own personal safety, that's great. But at the same time, you sort of don't want to sort of think about laying blame on, on a, on a woman who's died here because that's certainly not what that's about. No. Certainly not. Your coverage of this has been first-rate, Kate Kiriaku from the Courier-Mail. Thanks for your time. Thanks a lot. Damien Barrett is in studio to talk all things trade with the first week of the trade period wrapping up today. And, Damo, you've been all over some pretty big Hawthorne names potentially moving from the brown and gold. I talk of Sam Mitchell, but yesterday it was Jordan Lewis who many see as a captain in waiting down there at Hawthorne, who looked like he may even be on the way out of Waverley. Yeah, Sam, Sam, we'll go back to, uh, I suppose, the timeline on this, because these are extraordinary times at Hawthorne. We know they were out in straight sets in the final series this year. Something clearly happened, and we're piecing this together on the run, but something clearly happened on the preliminary final weekend. I say that because that was the weekend Hawthorne coach Alistair Clarkson got to watch two prelim finals. uh, So this was after they'd been beaten by the Bulldogs in the semifinal. semifinal. So Hawthorne season's over. Hawthorne season's over. There's a, a two games of footy: GWS versus the West uh, versus the, the Western Bulldogs yep. and Sydney versus Geelong. I say something happened there because on the Monday, Brownlow Medal Day, he goes into Sam Mitchell's house and suggests to him playing elsewhere. We believe two days after that, he has the same conversation, effectively the same conversation with Jordan Lewis about a future elsewhere. <sighs> Jordan Lewis has got quite angry about this, as far as we can again piece together, to the point where. Via his own management, he's approached clubs, possibly plural, certainly one in Melbourne Footy Club, and it was it needs to be stressed that it was Jordan Lewis's management which approached Melbourne. It wasn't it wasn't the other way around on this. And it got to a point where Jordan Lewis was about to sign a deal with the Melbourne Footy Club. Now we know Sam so Mitchell's status? Uh, was, one more year to run. He's one got more, year, one to more run. year to run. Yeah, so and he already had that locked away prior to the debate this year around the other four players, of which Sam Mitchell was one being recontracted. And there's clearly a, a bind there and a jam there, but this has all come to a head uh, again, basically from Brownlow Medal Day onwards, right through until the the heightened talks yesterday where Alistair Clarkson on the back of there was fallout on Sam Mitchell's decision and announcement around that the day before. He's then pulled back on this Jordan Lewis possibility of leaving the footy club, and he's got every right to do that. But these are two iconic figures, not not just for this particular club at, at this time, but in its entire history. Sam, so to Lewis think that Sam Mitchell was purely came about because his loyalty was questioned or he was given a shove. Effectively. I mean, there's going to be spin around from both parties as to how that conversation went down. But it was put to Jordan that, uh, like it was put to Sam Mitchell, that, hey, we love you, but there may well be a a scenario that works better for you. And and Sam Mitchell's embraced that, by the way. He's taken that opportunity, taken that option. Jordan Lewis was a a matter of minutes away from signing this deal or or effectively sending a a heads of agreement that way to accept the Melbourne offer until Hawthorne got, uh, I suppose, cold feet on the proposal. Was he eligible? Depending on your yeah, perspective. Yeah. Was he eligible for free agency, was he? No, no. no he, he was contracted already for so 2017. he would have had to have found a trade to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, okay. but Hawthorne was encouraging and, and it was initially facilitating and, and telling him to. And this is the other aspect of that. It was put out yesterday by Hawthorne Footy Club on its own website in a very controlled environment. And the quote was from Graham Wright that Jordan has had an inquiry. Well, 
that was not right. Melbourne's not happy with that being painted that way. Melbourne made it that very headhunting. Yeah, very Melbourne made it like very we clear that Jordan Lewis, fire management, was was the party that went to them about this proposal. So they're, they're wanting to clear that up, and I would too in that situation. I've got to ask, sorry, one question, you know, hypothetically. What impact do you think this is going to have on Lewis's year, like coming year, given yeah. that he's playing for a Cub, which ostensibly looks like it doesn't want him anymore? Yeah, and, and it's a really good question, Melanie, because he felt that he was going to be captain of that footy club at some exactly. stage of his life. He felt that it was even potentially going to happen in the season just gone. The preseason last year, there was a lot of commentary. He was part of the commentary. He was making comments about that. Anyway, we went through a season with Luke Hodge as captain again, and we go into 2017 with him thinking that, okay, this is going to be my, my year as captain in this last year of this contract. That conversation he had with Alistair Clarkson not only obviously took that potentially off the table, but again... It was off the table there for a week and a half. Now that he's agreed, as far as we know it to be, to, to settle it all down again, Alistair mm-hmm. Clarkson and Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis is a team man first and foremost, and he's one of those guys who I reckon come the first day of training, should he indeed now stay at Hawthorne, will be fine with yeah. it. But it, it's going to hurt. It's, it's hurt. He, it, he's hurt him. He's uh, angered by it. But he's big enough and bold enough and, yeah. and as he would say, ugly enough to, to get on with it with what's in front of him. Sam Mitchell does look like he is out of Hawthorne. Yeah, that'll be done. You're not going to make uh, the public announcements as Sam did and then Hawthorne did sub- subsequent to Sam's initial comments and then not for it to happen. So that'll happen. It's not ever going to be a, a big draft pick transaction there. It's going to be late draft picks and it's just a facility to get Sam off Hawthorne's salary cap. Yeah. Books, basically. And just to wrap up the whole Hawthorne saga, it sounds very much, from an outsider's perspective, from a novice like myself, that um, <laughs> Clarko kind of feels like he's clearing house. Do you think yeah. this is a result of Fagan leaving? Yeah. What is the impact being? It's it's interesting because Fagan has been his right-hand man throughout the mm. journey, effectively, Some in this successful era. Yeah, a long time. I don't know exactly how long it is, but a long time. And he, he's got him out of a lot of trouble. He cancels him. Uh, right now, he's not there. He's gone mm. to coach Brisbane, as we know. And look, the same decisions may well have been made without him there, but I think he would have had the foresight to to role-play the, the ramifications yeah. for, for these conversations that Clarko's having. And it's been a long issue for uh, Hawthorne and, and, and Clarkson as to how he's managed. And right now he doesn't have the man who is prepared to push back on him it in a way like that others aren't. Rudder. feels like they've lost their rudder and they've got to well, find it smart. Could, could well be. It could well be. I mean, that, that, anyway, it's, it's an issue Robinson, for Hawthorne. I'm feeling very nervous with the emergence of football <laughs> pundit <laughs> Madeline West. Robbo, you have a competitor. Uh, what does it do to Yagero Mira, though? We mentioned it before. Yep. Here is a young guy who's trying to get to Hawthorne from the Gold Coast. Hasn't played footy for, what, a year, two years? Two years. Two full years. Two he, years. he played two full years to start his career. Has not played a game of footy since the last round of 2014. Now, extraordinarily talented, as we know. And the reports about his knee are said to be good, as though he's going to be able to hit the ground running in a preseason sense and then be right for round one. But that's all unknown. We don't play footy for two years. You mm. don't know. There are no guarantees. But he is feeling that pressure. He's coming into this this famous football club with this as a backdrop where the most famous name of the current crop is now out and there's been other issues around another of the famous names in Jordan Lewis. They're, it's not the greatest way for him to ease in. It was no. meant to be, and it was sold on the fact that, hey, good name, young player coming into this club, ease into his career, let's help him. Now he's coming in as a replacement for at least one of those players. And surely having some doubts in his own physical capability himself after yep. two years uh, hiatus, yep. it's a pretty scary prospect coming into a club that's got so much attention. Yeah, and, and the heightened attention around it now. They're, they're not a team that's been doing, as it had for the previous four years, making grand finals. No, they're they they're straight sure sets thing. losers. Yeah. 
Damo, Bryce Gibbs, is he going to be at Carlton next year? Uh, there's still a chance on that. It's look, it's hard to put percentage points on um, scenarios that unfold over the next week, but it's no more than 50-50. And I know that sounds as I'm sitting right on the fence, and you know I don't like doing that, Seb, but when you've got a contract that still has three years to run and the club that wants you to this point is not putting up enough for that club, to, as in Carlton, to accept, and all they've put up at this stage is pick 13 that interests them, but that's really only the starting point to this conversation. Carlton's back... Uh, or fallback position is, if nothing happens, we've still got a very good player, a very, very good player for three more years. I expect it to happen, having said all that. But mm. right now, talks are off on it. And Stephen Silvani, who heads up the Carlton List Management Strategy, very sound on it, is adamant that 13 only is a partial way of getting this done. We're talking AFL trade with Damian Barrett. And maybe one last one to finish on. Tom Rockliffe, who has been a star at the Brisbane Lions and now looks like a player whose club doesn't want him. Yeah, that's been uh, in motion now for a good three months. Tom Rockliffe went and sought offers from other footy clubs. And, and got some offers to a to a point, but they weren't the lucrative offers that he felt he was going to get. And right now, with the other issues that surround Tom, and they're, they're now being made very public, and the club's dealt with one of those issues last week, which I know you touched on, that was unsavoury on a, in a in a Twitter sense. The interest and the levels of interest for Tom are just not there. The club is more than happy, in fact, wants to go into 2017 without him, but he is contracted, and that's probably their problem right now more mm. than his. And at this stage, as we speak, no significant enough offer for them to move. And again, these things will happen and, and take a, a greater clarity as trade week deadline comes, which is a Thursday of, of next week. And it's an awkward situ- situation going into the new season for both the club and him. As yep. soon as the question of loyalty is put on the table, all bets are off. Yeah, and they've become aware of the, the shopping around component to what he's been doing this year, as well as captaining the footy club. But he's caused problems, and, and as we've been saying for a good probably 15 months about Tom Rockliffe, rightly or wrongly, he is a divisive character within the confines of that footy club. Damien Barrett, you're doing some great work for Triple M Footy as always. Also, Trade Radio, which people can get on board at the AFL website. Thanks for coming in and bringing us up to speed. And thanks thanks for the education, Damo. Because when they said (laughs) Trade Week, I was thinking, could you recommend a plumber? So I really appreciate (laughs) it. I think you're being too hard on yourself because I was thinking at one stage, if we got Madeline West or Scotty West, such was the football (laughs) knowledge that we were hearing. Yes. (laughs) Always a privilege to have the Prime Minister on the telephone. He makes himself available for Triple M, which we appreciate. Good morning, Malcolm Turnbull. Good morning to you, uh, Sebastian, and uh, good morning to you, Madeline. Uh, morning, it's nice Mr. to hear Prime your Mr. voice rather than the moon man, who uh, often works blue at this time of the morning. <laughs> yes. You'll just have to excuse me, too. I was just putting a new bin liner in the kitchen tidy. Um, but what have you got for me? Well, WhatsApp is a app you get on your phone, and you can send messages instead of text messages, so it doesn't cost you money from your telco. And apparently there's been advice from security agencies that ministers have to stop using it. Why? Well, Seb, what it is, is like you said, it's a messaging service that uses the internet. And of course, it, it does scramble things, but it hasn't been cleared by the Cyber Intelligence Agency and the Australian Signals Directorate. I like saying cyber intelligence. Uh, yes, it's for group discussions, media, uh, such as short videos, photos. As essentially, what it is is a place to go to be racist, sexist and bully people with impunity and shoot off a dick pic to your lover. Um, So I just want to make sure that we're absolutely in the clear before any of us are strung up. Has anyone been busted in the ministry for sending such a photo? Well, sometimes I see people in the house uh, using their phones, which has now been banned, of course. Uh, You can tell by the look on someone's face when they've shot off a naughty photo. Uh, They've got that... (laughs) 
that quizzical kind of look of satisfaction. Sometimes I'm a little bit suspicious of Erica Betts. <laughs> he loves his WhatsApp. Excellent work. I wish I had a cyber question for you, just so you could, so you could say cyber. Uh, well, let's just say cyber. Oh, please. Cyber oh, bullying, cyber intelligence, cyber. It's the way of the future. Good Thank on you, Madeline. Thank you so much, Prime Minister. You've made my morning. Look, I do have a question for you. Mm. Did you see the presidential debate? Yes, I did see it. And uh, I was conflicted because Trump is a loathsome buffoon, but he's of my political stripe. Hillary is capable, but a communist, though I suspect she might be a conservative of my ilk deep down. But all in all, I'd have to agree with Seb and the Moon Man. I thought it looked like the worst John Farnham and Olivia Newton-John tribute concert ever. <laughs> Don't you think? Well said, Prime Minister. Bit of whispering Jack and ONJ. Uh, that is a good night's entertainment by anybody's measure. And now the inquiry into the banks. Are we going to get anything out of this? We've been asking for changes for years. Well, we will get something. It showed systemic problems, ridiculous charges, gouging, profiteering. It hinted at collusion. So we've decided to take the advice on how to curtail this behaviour from the banking sector. And they said we don't need to do anything. So I trust them. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be staying the course. You would say that as a former banker, though. I, when you say banker, is that rhyming slang or are you saying as a former banker? I mean, <laughs> We'll leave all, that to you, PM, to decide. <laughs> they, they did apologise, and you have to applaud them for that. After gouging millions from the Australian public, <laughs> yeah, they exactly. stood there and they said, we're sorry. Oh. But yeah. so did Clinton, So, and I'm talking about Bill. All the very best. We'll uh, speak to you next week. Good on you guys. You're good guys and great constituents. And you know it's spring because racing's all over the papers. Oh, it's all about racing right now. It is. Well done to Michelle Payne, first of all, who won the Don Award last night. Magnificent, inspiring it's great. story there. If you haven't heard of the Don, it uh, started about 20 years ago and it is awarded to the sports team or individual who inspired the nation the most over the past 12 months. Yes, never confuse it with the one who's running for president in America and doing a very bad <laughs> job of it That's currently. It. It's not some sort of award handed over by the Calabrian Mafia. Biggest douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> douchebag of the year. Yep. No, exactly. So, well, well done to Michelle Payne. And then you open up the paper and it's all about the Caulfield Cup, which jumps tomorrow at 4.30 at Jamaica, the big favourite there. Oh, fa are you going to go to the Cup this year? Uh, Melbourne Cup. No, I think I'll go Derby Day. Good one. Yeah, nice choice. So. Who are you wearing, Step? Ah, well, no, I don't know. I don't know, but I – well, it's, bla it's black and white, the theme for Derby Day, yes, isn't it? of course. I, and last year I made what some called a controversial decision to purchase a pair of white – Pants. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Back up. Well, first of all, I thought you were going to say you were wearing a dress. So I'm glad to hear that it's white pants. White pants? Mm. What kind of fool are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right because it is risky it's with spilled drinks, isn't it? And we're talking about the, the racing carnival. I mm. mean, there's all sorts of spilt cocktails and grass stains and that's before the cups even run. <laughs> that's it. I won't, I won't be sitting down. Well, I, I bought them last year and surprise, surprise, there haven't been too many occasions in which they've been appropriate. So well, I'm looking no. forward to Darby Day so I can actually wear them. I'm so jealous, can I say, because I do love a bit of white. I can mm. never wear it. Without, it's crisp. There's no chance of leaving the house without fingerprints or chocolate stains. And the last time I tried <laughs> to wear a white ensemble, one of my babies spewed down my back and no one told me. I don't know whether they thought it was some kind of unusual Japanese print. Mm. Highly embarrassing. <laughs> a Good 3D textured print on the back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're so cutting edge. <laughs> yeah, that Madeline West, so fashionable. <laughs> You've got kids. What do you make of this Have clown? I? I'm yeah, in denial. Six of them. Not mine. Six of what? them under the age Please of Please don't make me go 10. home. Please don't make me go home. Hang on. In fact, here? it's not too late to get down there for school drop-off. No, stop it right now. I think, you, uh, you shut your mouth, Get Zip. behind the Tarago, pile mouth. them in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what do you make of all these clown sightings we've had around Melbourne? Oh, truly terrifying. Clowns Creepy. are scary. Yeah. 
I've got a less story clown, well, less scary clown story. Speaking of clowns, and no, yeah. I'm not going to get on my soapbox about Donald Trump again. We all know he's mm. a clown. That's a given. Um, children's entertainers. Oh yeah. Ooh, now there, there's a controversial industry. My son had his zombie zombie birthday party a few months back, and of course, looking for an appropriate children's entertainer, trying to find something appropriate for the theme. Zombie. Do you have zombies? No. Do you have Frankenstein? No. Do you have ghosts? No. Would you like a clown? No. I do not want a clown. <laughs> They're terrifying. What we copped was a Spider Man. I think, yeah, okay, that kind of works for the theme. This guy rocks up. First thing he does in front of all the wrapped little kitties, looking at him like Spider Man. Spider Man eyes was. Yeah, Mrs. Can I have me hundred bucks first in front of the kids? He wouldn't go on. No, no, without his hundred bucks. Without his okay. hundred bucks. So I've laid him a couple of big ones. That was no, that wasn't the full fee. That fate. was the deposit. That was the that was the you give them a bit and then you pay them after the fact. But anyway, that was that's the entertainment said and done. service. Fate. That was the entertainment service charge. Then we notice he's got holes in his Spider-Man costume, which the kids pointed out, which he didn't like very much. Then I'm waiting for okay. Let's see. Some Where Spider-Man were these holes? Um, do we really need to go there? Well, I'm just saying we're entering the child-friendly hour. I, if we're having a Ch- ch- children's no, entertainer at a birthday party. Areas where he just clearly wasn't maintaining himself. Goodness okay, there me. might have been a bit of itching and scratching, which had ruptured the material. Yeah. So we're waiting for the Spider-Man moves. Okay, come on, let's see some of those those web moves. He starts doing karate. Karate moves. And I'm Spider-Man. thinking to myself, this guy clearly has an Elvis gig in the evenings. He puts on the <laughs> rhinestone studded jumpsuit and away he goes. But then even better, he said to me, 45 minutes into the piece, Oh, I'm pretty much done. You mind if I go now? <laughs> Hang on, buddy. I want my hours worth, thank you very much. So he filled the last 15 minutes handing out his CV to all the parents in attendance and quoting Shakespeare badly. Oh, so he was a children's entertainer who he had, had his aspirations eyes on, to a higher career on neighbors. entertainment. Oh, but did he recognise you? That's it. I don't know. We didn't enter that question. Okay. But I just wonder, how do you end up as a children's entertainer? Really? Do, do you start in politics and that's the logical <laughs> conclusion? Or I'd like to see Kevin Rudd dressed up as Spider-Man. There you go. There was a former minister who became a radio presenter as well. His name is Gary Hardgraves. Nice bloke. Uh, who was on a children's TV show in Queensland called Wombat. And oh, I remember Wombat. Do you remember Wombat? Wombat? Yeah. And then he became a, a federal minister. <laughs> So there's one case where it has happened. Does that mean there's hope for me yet? (laughs) Madeline West for PM. Why not? Let's see if that would happen. That's quite incredible. We actually spoke to a clown earlier in the week. Yeah, it's a Rufus little bit scary. The clown. Yeah. And, Rufus, and was he scary? No, well, he markets himself as a family-friendly clown. <laughs> Isn't it a bit of a worry if you have to preface your name with family-friendly? Well, he says he it's doesn't wear... Like, I'm a gluten-free clown. Yes, he doesn't wear full I'm a low-sugar clown. <laughs> Small shoes. Um, he doesn't wear full face makeup because apparently the kids seeing some skin on his face can then make uh, the sort of the assumption that he is, in fact, human and not a creepy clown not creature. Not Stephen King-it kind of no. thing. No. But he did say that at the end of the day, after the adults have had a few drinks around the barbie, there's often an auntie or a you know uh, elder cousin who's sort of eyeing him off in the clown suit. No, oh, yeah. So there's ooh, there's a Rufus said there was a whole a few, other industry, a few fringe benefits for being Rufus the clown. I can hear. I wonder if clowns get sledged, like you know, like like <laughs> your tennis players, like your football players get your heckled. red nose looks orange. You know, that sort of thing. I don't, I've always wanted. I love hecklers, and I reckon yep. you've got to be prepared. So anyone out there who's in a profession where there's a chance you're going to get heckled, try this one on for size. Hey, buddy, I'm just doing my job here. Do I come to McDonald's and tell you how to flip burgers? Bang. There you go. 
Let's talk Caulfield Cup because it happens tomorrow. It jumps at 4.30. The man who knows racing is Sky Sports Radio's Andrew Bensley. Morning, Benz. Yeah, I don't believe you to, for a start. <laughs> I think you're a man that uh, would be very keen to drop them if you've got the right opportunity. <laughs> to down trowel. Yeah. If only what was beneath was impressive, Benz, I would do it more often. Well, but he's no. here in the studio and under the table, I can tell you what he's got nothing on but a very <laughs> tasty G-string. Oh, well, it's quite uncomfortable. I picked it up in Rio covering the Olympics. Now, Benz, Jamaica won the Crown Oaks last year, 2000. And she's a four-year-old. She's a mare. How good is she? Yeah, no, she's going super. I mean, we're all uh, talking about Hartnell, how good it was uh, the other week to win at Flemington. Well, Jamaica ran second to Hartnell and then beat the third horse by a similar margin. So, no, she's going absolute super. What sort of a run does she get from a whitish barrier? I guess that's the job now of jockey Nick Hall. But, look, there is the general view, uh, Seven Madeline, that it's... Uh, the the mares, Jamaica and Real Love up against the international horses. The, I'm out of Werribee this morning and Sir Isaac Newton bowled around again this morning. There's a good vibe that Aidan O'Brien's got the polish on that horse to try and win his first Caulfield Cup. Then you get a horse like Articus for uh, the Melbourne Cup winning trainer, Andreas Waller. So it might be a case of the mares that I mentioned, Jamaica and Real Love, up against the horses out here at Werribee. Hey, mate, just um, one uh, obviously related to racing, but not necessarily Caulfield tomorrow. Is it a big deal for the sport for Michelle Payne to be honoured with the Don Award last night at the uh, Sports Hall of Fame Awards, recognising her as the most inspiring sports person in the country over the past 12 months? Well, I think it, uh, it truly is. I think the racing industry are very proud with what Michelle's been able to do. And I know she said it last night uh, after accepting the award that uh, it, it, it feels like 10 years for her what she's been through in the last 11 months since winning the Melbourne Cup. Uh, she's not only won that race, but uh, to come back from such a dr- dramatic fall as it was at Mildura, Seb, and, and, and just to see the quality of her to be back riding now Uh, She may not end up with a Melbourne Cup ride this year. It's just the way it's going to fall and the injury suffered the Prince of Penzance, as we know. Uh, And, you know, it's... There's only 24 rides in a Melbourne Cup and most jockeys uh, are out there trying to get a ride. So they're not easy to come by, but I think it truly has been an inspirational story given uh, the roller coaster ride that she's been through. She's been terrific and lovely uh, move too to, to reach out and offer to care for Prince of Penzance as he comes yep. back from that leg injury. So uh, all the best to Michelle Payne. Benz, thanks for having a chat. Good on you guys. I want you to back. I've backed Articus a long time ago to win the Caulfield Cup. But if you're looking, if your listeners are looking for something at a bit of odds, Sir John Hawkwood, number eight. Uh, it's coming down from Sydney. It's got good form at the distance. And as I say, it's going to give you a little bit of value. So Sir John Hawkwood might be uh, something for your many listeners. Mate, you're really pulling at my trouser leg if I was wearing White any. White trouser leg. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Fashion faux pas no. waiting to happen. Um, you're glad you're off at nine o'clock, Madeline, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> She's that been means saying I have to that. go back to the kids. What are you talking about? <laughs> As you know, I've got six kids. I do. And one of the banes of my existence is the school drop-off. Who's right? your favourite kid? I don't have a favourite. I don't discriminate. <laughs> it's the kid who's most agreeable on the, any one given day. Oh, so it's a bit like the tennis rankings. You're constantly updating them. Yeah, except it's just by who's behaving. Right. Not who's in best form, it's who's behaving. <laughs> who hasn't, who hasn't so, spoiled my white so pants. So Nick Kyrgios would thing. not make it onto your rankings. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I don't think so. He'd be locked in the bathroom <laughs> with a box of Nutri-Grain. Good luck, Nick. Um, last week, dropping the kids off to school, mm-hmm. which, as I said earlier, is the bane of my existence. So... 
We've, I'm, I'm doing circuits of the school, found a park, hallelujah, pulled in, gotten out all six, six kids, got out the double pram, got out the school bags, the library bags, the lost hats, the missing shoe, right, put your shoe back on, do your shirt up, et cetera, et cetera. Have you brushed your teeth? Oh, well, too late. Now, about to go into the school, I've clocked the parking sign. It's a 15-minute spot. At that moment, a parking inspector has come around the corner. He's seen me. I've seen him. He's taken in the scenario, seen the six kids, and I thought, right, I'm going to take this one by the horns. In a calm be damned, I'm going to approach this fellow. So I've gone up to him and I've said, look, my friend, you and I both know that there is no hope in hell that I'm going to get in that school, drop off all six kids, tell the kinder kid, yes, I'm going to come back, give them all a kiss, say, no, no, settle down, settle down, talk to the teachers about what one's been doing wrong, talk to the teacher about what one's been doing right, make sure the lunch orders are in, make sure everyone's got what they need and get back out to the car in 15 minutes. You and I both know that. And I know that this is your creme de la creme time of the day. You've got one hour in which to justify all of your parking inspector commissions for the entire day because everyone needs to drop off their kids. All the kids need to go into class. All the kids are going to keep their parents late. Everyone is going to get a ticket undoubtedly. But I have no doubt. And in this last month alone, I have probably funded your entire retirement. So here's what I suggest. <laughs> I'm currently brought, in a 15 minute zone, living into but it. this is what I'm going to do. You get in my car with all six kids and the pram and the library book. There's probably a leprechaun in the back seat. Who knows? I'm not questioning it. I'm going to go and get a coffee and you drive around this school until you find a two hour park. That's my challenge for you. What do you think? And he laughed his guts out. He said, <laughs> Lady, I got it. I'll take care of your car. Take your time, have a coffee. I think you need it. Bang! Avoided a parking fee. My question for the listeners is this. Have you ever managed to get out of a parking fine? If so, how? And perhaps more importantly, are there any parking inspectors out there who are willing to come in? We'll dub your voice. We'll pixelate your face. You're all safe. Tell us, <laughs> have you ever let anyone get out of a parking fee? I want to know. One triple three five three. Give us a call. You can hit us up on Twitter as well. At MMM Hot Breakfast. You heard it there. Have you ever got off a parking fine? And how did you do it? At Werribee, we find John. John, what, what was your story? Sam Bellowing, good morning. Good morning, uh, doing John. Doing a great job, loving it. Uh, Thanks, mate. So I was parking in one of these uh, these CBD car parks, park my car for an hour, come back, stick the ticket in. It says, oh, look, you were three minutes over, so you're going to get slugged 28 bucks for the next hour. Yuck. So I thought, well, look, that, that's not going to be on. Uh, so you press the button, you speak to the little man on the other end who explains to you like you're an infant. You know, this is, is there 60 minutes in an hour? You were here 63 minutes. Is, you know, you call him a crook. You, you know, you wish do. a plague upon his house. You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, you, you, but you get a little smarter than that. You stick your credit card in the slot. It takes your money. You get straight on the phone to the bank and you say, excuse me, Mr. Bankman, I think there's been some mistake. It looks like they've taken $28 more than they're meant to. The bank says, well, we'll just get the whole transaction cancelled for you, if you like, sir. They say, thank you very much. It's the nice. best played on my side. Oh, Johnny, John. that sort of thinking deserves tickets to Derby Day. Amy Victoria Derby Day is one of the most prestigious days of Australian horse racing, and you've got a double pass for Saturday, the 29th of October at Flemington. To Kerry at Cockatoo, how did you get out of a parking fine? Well, mine wasn't actually a parking fine, it was a speedy fine. Me and my husband were coming back from Lakes Entrance and I was on the freeway and I didn't know. I thought it was you could still do 30 over the limit and not lose your licence. When it's in 110 zone, it's actually only 20. And I was doing um, 129 or something like that. I love that mumble, uh, 120. Yeah, well, that's what they, that was the guy, number that he quoted me here. But the actual speed was actually a little bit more and he's gone. And so... I'm, I've um, pooed, I've pooed myself, and so I've been. So I, I had a tank top on, so 
I've rearranged my boobs to show lots of cleavage. And so it was a, it was a male copper. So I eventually um, uh, got out of the fire and I said, I, and it was, I was telling Teresa, I said, I've never had a speeding fine and I'm showing my boobs and everything. And, um, yeah, I got out of it. I lost one demerit point and $169 fine. Nice one, Kerry. Let's just say you kept abreast of the situation. I did. I kept very abreast of the situation. I love that recommendation. Don't know if it's going to work for me. I've had six kids. He's probably just going to go, put it away. Put it away, I'm blind. <laughs> Marty at Bayswater, how did you get out of a fine? Uh, morning, guys. How are you going? Good morning. How are you, Marty? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, it was going back, uh, it's going back about 18, 19 years ago now. First storm uh, home game at the old um, Olympic Park. Nice. Uh, I was running a bit late to the game. Uh, had to find a car park pretty much anywhere, so I kind of parked in a, uh, a residence permit area. <laughs> yes, you just did. Just in uh, one of the back streets, kind of uh, thinking that I was basically, uh, I'm definitely going to get a ticket here, but I can't miss the game. I noticed the car in front already had a parking ticket. I uh, grabbed the parking ticket off his windscreen put it on my windscreen, nicked off to the game. After the game, I came back. Uh, the car in front had another parking ticket. <laughs> I still only had the one, so I've taken off the one from my car, put it back on the car in front, and gone. Done. Marty. Wow, Marty, you sneaky bugger. You need to get into <laughs> politics. That can be rewarded too. Tickets to Derby Day for you too, mate. Enjoy one of the most prestigious days of Australian horse racing, Sunday, 29 October at Flemington. And to finish up, Toby, how do you come into this equation? Uh, I'm one of the grey ghosts. You're what? a parking inspector. No! Yeah. <laughs> you may throw every fruity word I've heard <laughs> I want to know, do you have to have your like um, the compassion portion of your brain detached before you qualify to become a parking inspector, Toby? Oh, no, we're all humans. It all comes down to attitude, actually. Really? So, uh, oh, yes, yeah. If you walk up to us and, you know, we see that, uh, like yourself, um, feral kids, you know, uh, I've actually helped uh, – <laughs> I've actually uh, not given a ticket to a lady that helped the kids into the car, so... Uh... Oh, Toby, <laughs> why don't you come around my part of town? We need more people <laughs> like you. Here's my question for you, Toby, though. The line you always get given is you, you, you rock up, you're 50 minutes, 50 seconds past the due date, and you go, hang on, come on. Uh, look, I'm, only, I'm not even a minute late. Please, please, please. And you always cop, nah, it's already in the system. Sorry, love, too late. Is that true? Do you yeah, have these... power to retract it, or once, it's, once you've p- pressed the buttons, you're done? Unfortunately for us, now we've got the handhelds. It's uh, once you hit go, that's it. You're done. So uh, you're in the system. We can't take you out. Mm. So, uh, but if we're halfway through, uh, the trick is if you start calling us uh, every fruity word you can think of, there is nothing more satisfying <laughs> than just than completing the ticket and send. going. That's it, mate. Yeah. I like it, Tobes, mate. You've got tickets <laughs> to the Art of Banksy exhibition open now until Jan 22 at the Paddock at Federation Square. Tickets at theartofbanksy.com.au. Thanks for ringing in. Oh, Toby, there's hope for all of us. <laughs> well done. Great to have oh, you on board. I've had a ball, literally, and figuratively. And I've learned more about football than I ever thought I would. Absolutely magnificent. Thank you very much, Melbourne, for uh, listening in today. Please check out The Wrong Girl, Channel 10, 8.30pm on Wednesday. Big storylines coming up. See you then. Maybe you come back see us next week. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be here with mm, bells on, fantastic. maybe white pants. <laughs> I can lend you my pair. I don't know if they fit. I could make them fit. <laughs> I've got a handy sewing kit right here in my back pocket. Magnificent. Uh, the weekend breakfast tomorrow too. I will be back along with uh, the regulars, BT, Danny Green, Chanel Vincent and Chanel Vincent, Chanel Vella and Jade Vincent. Uh, and also we'll play the full interview with Triple H. We're paying a little bit of it today, but the full one will air tomorrow from 7am on the weekend breakfast. Thanks to Lawrence Mooney. Thank you to Sarah Fayor for keeping us on track this week. And Ed Mickendas will be back on Monday. I'm Sim Costello. Have a sensational Friday. 